0: to ProLaw Help and ProLaw Tips and Tricks with Jason Davey. That's me. I am the owner and lead programmer of C2Axis.com. That's C, the number two, A-X-I-S.com. If you find the information that we're covering in today's podcast helpful, I encourage you to go over to my blog, check out some additional articles that may have been written about this subject that we covered today, or other subjects that I've covered in the past, I also encourage you to sign up for our newsletter right on the front page. That way you can stay up to date when these new podcasts are launched. And lastly, feel free to email me or call me if you have any questions or need some help with your pro-law setup about this topic or any other topic that you need help on. My email address is jason at c2axis.com. And thanks for listening. Here we go. So, Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the ProLaw Help Podcast. Today, we are with Colleen Walsh, a ProLaw consultant, and I'll let her tell you a little bit about herself.
1: Excellent. Hello, Jason. Happy to be here with you on this beautiful day. Uh, My name is Colleen Walsh. I'm a CPA from outside of Albuquerque, New Mexico the home of ProLaw. Started working there way back in 1997, version 7, and uh, left there in 2005, and I've been on my own doing nothing but ProLaw ever since. ProLaw is pretty much what I do.
0: Well, that's awesome, and and thanks for coming on the podcast today, and uh, for those of you who don't know Colleen as well as I do. She is an amazing back office consultant, and she is the person that I always, if I need a quick answer, I can shoot her a quick email, and she usually has the answer, and usually with experience on top, which is always nice. And so I asked Colleen to join us today, and I even sent some emails out and posted on our social media accounts to take in questions about um, ProLaw back office and um, what some uh, of uh, Colleen's recommendations would be for setting up or anything really um, that pertains to pro law, and we got some submissions. So without further ado, um, we'll go ahead and jump into it. My first question is, um, what happens if you're new and you have no idea what you're doing? Where would you go to with you know somebody that has no accounting experience, no pro law experience? Where should they start?
1: Very good question. So if I were brand new, the first thing I would want to do is go online to the pro-law knowledge base. And if you don't already have knowledge base access, you can go to your pro-law support representative and tell them you want K-Base access because that's a valuable tool with both a place where you can submit support incidents and and look at at what support incidents have been submitted before you got there, but mostly just for the pro-law online education. So if you search in there under pro-law for online education and real precisely for the curriculum generator, that's and, and actually you can just type those words in and it'll take you right to this list of Pro law questions. So if you are back office and you're a power user or an administrator or general user, you can select these boxes, click filter results, and it takes you right down to just the online education classes you want to see. And I think it's just the first place that I would start if I knew that there was online videos. There's also the help file, which is good, but that's printed and sometimes harder to read or understand having an actual video where they're saying, here is the pro-law way how to add a new contact and making sure that you know that you have to search for them first. And it goes over step by step. There are also follow along handouts that they have available in the in the knowledge base. So you can search for follow along handout and it will bring up that information too. And you can download the whole thing as a zip file and then just bring them up as you're watching the online videos. So it gives you both printed information or PDF and the videos to go with it. Great nice. question. What's the nice. first thing you do?
0: Yeah, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I really think you have to start with support, um, you know, there's it's nothing wrong with asking for help, and I really think that they would probably tell the, net, the, the user the same thing. Like, go to our online knowledge base. You can even create your own curriculum based off what you need to learn. Um, I love the, the admin guides as well. There's a front office and a back office um, admin guide, and I just like to read it. Um, and I think they're a lot more helpful on the back office side than they are on the front office side, but they're equally good both places. Um, so, yeah, I, I totally agree. I really like that online um, curriculum creator, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Next question. Can you produce financial statements on multiple locations in ProLaw?
1: Ah, that's actually a very good question. So you can totally do that if your chart of accounts has had the account segments set up. So that would be hiding under... Uh, tools, Preferences in the Chart of Accounts, so once you've got, opened up the Chart of Accounts and there's a place where you would turn on the Account Segments. and You can name each segment, so you would have something like the Account Major or the Natural Account, and then the second segment could be the Office or Division, and then the third segment could be the uh, Area of Law or the Professional, however you need to set it up. Two or three segments are available. Then once you've set that up and you've turned that on and, and you've made your chart of accounts, when you go into the financial statements, then you get the option in the drop-down to select which department you want to see. Whether uh, and so they will be by their code that you set up in the segment naming, and it works great. It's just that. In truth, while I love my pro-law and most everything about it, you will probably need a custom financial statement to have it really look the way you want. So it will be there and the data will be there, but you have to probably get a custom financial statement to get it appropriately formatted.
0: That's what I was thinking, too, is that we have all the pieces to fill out by default in ProLaw, but sometimes to get that that perfect report format that you can just hit go and print and it spits it out and you don't have to worry about it, sometimes that will take a little bit of extra tweaking. But one of those things really, and I mean, I think you'll probably say the same thing, that you really literally do once and it's set forever.
1: Mhm. That's true, yeah, All right. unless um, you add something new or make a change and then you want to make it, uh, improve it, but you're right. It's a, a set it up one time setup, not something you have to maintain.
0: Very and good. along with the with that, um, are there any financial reports that you would recommend to run monthly and to look at at least once a month?
1: Yes, very good question. So standard financial statement, balance sheet, income statement, I'll run I don't necessarily run the balance sheet every month, but I'll definitely run income statement every month. And then from there, I like to run revenue analysis. That's in the management report. I'm especially fond of the billed and paid report or the assigned professional billed and paid report. That's one of their canned reports that comes out of the box and it just looks lovely. Uh, Gives you the information you need uh, for the area of law or for the professional or client, however you need to group it. Then from there, I also like the uh, AR aging report. I want to run that usually by assigned professional and then by client because I want to distribute this report to the billing attorneys and have them focus on anything that's really over 90 and uh, take a look at that and see why they have outstanding AR balances and maybe provide them incentives to get that cleaned up. And really just as important as AR aging, then I also want to run the whip aging report because that's kind of the same situation. If it gets too old, then you may not be able to bill for it and recover it so I want to run that by billing attorney pass that out so that they can focus on anything that's getting outstanding unless it's like a contingent matter or something like that where you know it's going to go on for years otherwise you really want to keep up on the billing and that's a great tool for them to be able to do that
0: so excellent question yes awesome Um, so I was just kind of curious this is kind of one of the questions that I snuck in for myself but I really think it's a good question for everybody Um, So when you're first um, going through a client system or you're setting up ProLaw for the first time um, or maybe they've just been installed and you're just giving it a once over, what's the very first preference that you check for back office and why?
1: Oh, that's a good one. So where I would go is into journals. And as I'm going into preferences, I would pause and look at the see if there's an option called cash or accrual because I want to know if the firm happens to be an accrual firm because my conversation is going to change completely about you know, the restraints and so forth on Prolaw. so I'm going to notice that on the way to journals preferences and where I'm going to go is to the settings tab and I'm going to look at the lock date because I want to know if you all are locking journals or if it's open And sometimes there's a reason for it to be open, you know, brand new. We just did conversion. Oh, yeah, we want to have it open so we can mess with stuff. But then once we have beginning balance finalized, as of go live date, I want it locked. And then on top of that, I want it locked pretty much monthly. I will even lock my own journals on a monthly basis after I pay my Mexico grocery receipts tax, that's when I go in and, and actually lock my journals. And I am all by myself on my own laptop, but I still want it locked because I don't want to go back and cause any out of balance entries or anything to go wrong in bank reconciliation. Once I've reconciled the bank, I want everything to be locked tight. So that's the first thing I check when I go in is to see where we are in terms of whether journals are locked. And if they're wide open, I will have the chat like why are journals open, and may even get the uh, have the conversation saying, you know, if you ever call me up and say retain earnings are changed, I'm going to ask you have you locked journals because that's the one protection you have from retroactive changes to financial statements. Once the numbers are finalized and have been distributed to the people who care, then you want to lock journals.
0: Well, and that actually leads perfectly into the next question, because one of the things that I've always been a little bit confused about, and I and I totally get locking journals, um, but just what would you say are the overall best practices, you know, from coast to coast when it comes to locking journals and when? But also, um, do you also include locking of transactions in that as well? How do you play those off of each other? Or do you mostly just worry about the journal side?
1: Very good question. So the transactions part is primarily to prevent bogus data entry. So the first thing I would do is query up all the WIP. And if I have WIP back into 2015, because it's a long-term contingent matter, fine. I will lock them up to 12 2014 And the reason why is you don't want somebody to accidentally put in a bad date. And my favorite story of that came from a real support call. We were dialed in, they were having trouble with their WIP accrual entries. And we had a time entry dated O oh, two hundred. It right. looked fine because yep. they had just a two-digit year, and it looked like it was in O oh, oh, but it was in O two hundred. So we fixed it. Um, and so that, if they had had their beginning date locked, then that would have prevented that. Some people think that beginning date means like no, like you can use it like they have an elite where you can do a time entry cutoff. And sadly, we don't have time entry cutoff. If you lock transactions, you're locking everything. There's absolutely no changes. And so that's why I do it as of my oldest whip because then I won't get bogus data entry. But we don't really have a good time entry cutoff process, and I hear no discussion of anything like that. When I go to those ProLaw roadmap sessions, they don't talk about that at all. So and- locking that way, you want to lock it just through your oldest width. And on
0: the journals, so you just recommend locking it from the previous month as soon as you like, you do you finish your bank racks or you you get everything lined out, then you go ahead and lock journals, or do you wait until like quarterly when you give, you know, the financials to the partners?
1: When the num when there are people who know about the numbers and care about them, that's when I lock it. So me personally, the state of New Mexico knows about my gross receipts tax number, so lock it. Because once somebody knows about those numbers and they they are the final numbers and you need to rely on them not changing or going awry, that's when I lock it. So it's really kind of based on end users. So it could be quarterly. You send quarterly financial statements to the partners, lock it. You don't want those numbers changing after that.
0: That's and awesome. definitely end of year. Yeah. Well- well, great. Well, thank you so much, Colleen, for joining us. I really appreciate you taking some time and answering some questions that we have from the community and from me as well. Um, I always appreciate your input. And um, and how can people reach you if if they if they have some follow up questions?
1: Excellent question. I am Colleen C O L L E E N at cwalsh.biz c w a l s h .biz, B-I-Z, www.cwalsh.biz, or area code 505-250-9297, 505-250-9297 is the cell.
0: Yeah, I appreciate that and um and and I will say that Colleen even publishes some blogs on the website so it keep make sure that you subscribe go to c2access.com um sign up for any updates um I, I try to throw a couple topics over to Colleen and she says she has lists of topics to cover that hopefully one day um she will be a little bit less busy and can write some more blogs but we appreciate all of the time that she gives us and thank you so much for being on the on the podcast today.
1: Excellent. Thank you, Jason. It's been fun to be here.